So I was like, how can I reframe this horrible, horrible, horrible thing that many people are going through and make it silly? So I made that design and got my surgery. And then people that I knew started asking for the design on shirts. So I started making um, some shirts and then their friends wanted them and then friends of their friends wanted them. So it turned into this community and this business without me planning it. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the hidden side of modern work. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and today we have a fantastic conversation with Haley Jordan on the scary side of our image of success. Haley is a strategic brand marketer and designer and founder of The Committee, a countercultural community focused on body neutrality, a love for small boobs, and spreading awareness about implant illnesses. Today we talk about our images of success, how social media steers us wrong, three therapy techniques that can help move us to a better place, and how to find that middle ground between toxic positivity and the messages that are saying you're not enough. If you like this episode, I hope you'll check out Haley's work. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, leave a review, and share with a friend who might be interested in these conversations. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Haley. When it sure. comes to coming up with this idea, and I know you've got a really interesting story of, of how you got to this point, um, but I'm, I'm really curious just to, to kind of rewind the clock a little bit. What was the starting point of this idea that you came up with to, to build your own community and to start talking about the topics that you dive into? Yeah, so the background of the committee, it started on accident. I didn't have an idea to start a community like this. It just kind of came to me and came about. So I had breast implants for about five years. And um, in 2019, I got a letter in the mail that said that my breast implants that I had were recalled by the FDA and were causing a form of lymphoma in some women. And some women had died from this. So um, initially, I was freaked out. My questions were, do I have cancer already? Is it growing inside of me? Um, I don't want to get my implants out. Clearly, I spent a lot of money and was upsold on these specific implants. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the best option for me. They were very safe, blah, blah, blah. They were new. Um, I was upsold on them. I, I didn't have the money to get them replaced at the time. Like The first implants I got in were $11,000. That's a lot of money. Holy cow. That's a lot of money. So I, I was faced with this scary sort of feeling of my life being threatened, although most doctors would say I was probably fine. Um, the FDA recommended that women keep these implants in until they have a problem with them. That made no sense to me because mm-hmm. you don't want to keep something in your body until you get cancer and then deal with it. Then you want to fix it beforehand. Right. Um, so I was freaking out for so many reasons, money, health, like my, like my life. Um, and then my body image. Like I got these because I didn't like what my boobs looked like before. So, um, I went into my surgeon and he said, um, he literally told me that I would look bad if I took them out and that I should replace them with quote, safer implants. Um, so I said, yeah, you're right. Of course I'll look bad. That's why I got them. Um, I'll schedule a safer implant. So I scheduled that meeting or that surgery and went home and I kept feeling weird about it in my gut. I was just like this I need to research more. I need to know more about how these are recalled by the FDA. I need to know more about this lymphoma that people are getting. So I started researching more and then I found breast implant illness, which is different than this FDA recalled implant. 
um, breast implant illness can affect anyone with implants. And other illnesses have come about from different kinds of implants that we've heard of anyway. So this isn't um, rare and it's not just with breast implants, but I realized doing all this research in between my surgery, getting them out and getting them replaced that I had breast implant illness. I had so many weird health issues that I couldn't explain for a long time. And a few years into my, having my implants, maybe three years in, I started getting these horrible things like extreme neck and back pain, um, food insensitivities. Like I couldn't eat um, like dairy. Um, I couldn't have anything with corn in it sugar. If I had wine, I would feel like I got hit by a truck. And I just mean like one glass of wine. It was very bad. And I thought that maybe, you know, my back pain from all this, I was like, oh, well, I do do CrossFit. A lot of people get injured with CrossFit. So that, that must be it. The food insensitivities, I wasn't sure. I was like, well, I'm getting older. I'm only 32, by the way. But you know, you, as you get a little bit older, you think, oh, well, maybe this is coming as I age a little bit. I uh, just wasn't sure. But I started reading all of these testimonials in my research of like, what was happening to my body. And all of them were describing these things that I was experiencing on a regular basis. My back pain, I tried everything for, like I went to chiropractors, I went to the doctor, I did like cupping, I did dry needling, everything you could think of. And it wasn't healing and it was triggered specifically by anything with corn in it. So corn starch, corn syrup, all of our food in America is made of corn. Yeah, everything. So I could eat very few things. Yeah. So um, I decided to, it, it was a very hard decision to not get my implants replaced, to just get them taken out because I knew that it wasn't just the FDA recall, which was dangerous. It was breast implant illness, which happens to anyone. It can't happen to anyone with an implant. It's basically an inflammation response. Your body saying something's inside of me, I need it out. And it comes out in so many different ways. I I was lucky. My pain and my illness and my eye problems that I'm still suffering with, I was one of the lucky ones. Many women face extreme issues. Arthritis, can't get out of bed, can't walk right, like very extreme issues. Um, so I was lucky and I realized that, but um, I decided to get my implants out. I didn't want to up until the second that I got knocked out on the table. I didn't want to get them out, um, but I knew that I had to, like, that was the only option at this point. Um, before that surgery, I was like, this is such a horrible experience. Like this is so bad on so many levels and not just for me, but for our whole culture, our whole society, that people are getting things that are making them physically ill and dying to look good enough, or I quote, I say hot enough. Um, and so I made this design for myself. It just said itty bitty titty committee on it. It was like kind of cutesy and girly. And I made it to make the experience less brutal. I was like, what can I make that makes this kind of funny or silly or like welcoming that I'm going back to the itty bitty titty committee, which we've all heard of, right? Like in mm -hmm. middle school, um, that's like an insult or whatever. So I was like, how can I reframe this horrible, horrible, horrible thing that many people are going through? and make it silly. So I made that design, got my surgery, and then people that I knew started asking for the design on shirts. So I started making um, some shirts and then their friends wanted them and then friends of their friends wanted them. So it turned into this community and this business without me planning it. So like I said, I didn't actually, I wasn't like, I'm going to make a community right. centered around small boobs. <laughs> uh, it just happened naturally. That's such an incredible story. And it it's interesting to me how, you know, so much, I think, of what we see online is in response to difficulties in our lives, right? And mm -hmm. and what you're talking about was like you were using, you know, this cutesy brand as a way, as, as sort of a coping mechanism, 
right? Um, and channeling it in healthy ways, right? Because it could easily have been channeled into negative ways, right? You could have easily gone down, you know, dark ways to cope with emotions, but this is a really positive community focused way of handling it. And I, yeah. I was reflecting yesterday with a friend and we were saying how like, you know, you, you listen to Brene Brown or you listen to any of these folks, right? And almost all of them have some sort of struggle, whether it's yeah. with their bodies or with drugs and alcohol or family or abuse or something like mm -hmm. that. And it, it really, you know, I, I'm personally someone who has had, you know, issues with, with drinking in the past and things like that. And I find mm -hmm. that, you know, being able to build something positive out of those difficult mm -hmm. situations is such a healthy approach mm -hmm. to it. So I, I just, mm -hmm. I love that story that you just walked us through because it really leads to a great place. And so as you've gone through the process of building that community and building that brand, um, especially because you're bringing in your your actual work experience, right? You're not you're you're bringing in your design experience. You're bringing in mm -hmm. the skills that you've built up to this point. Um, what did it feel like when you started, you know, finding those people that felt the same way as you? It felt really good. I didn't think that anyone would ever want to wear that design. Like when I made it, I was like, no one cares about this. I was kind of scared to even post it because I was posting it on my personal branding, brand strategy, and design Instagram. Um, the first feeling was, this is scary. I might lose all of my work because I'm talking about boobs and I'm saying the word boobs. Um, embarrassing, like let's start with the reality. Embarrassing, confusing, shameful. That's how it felt to start off, you know, to start having this design or whatever gain traction because it's about my, it's so personal. The story is so personal. Um, after I got over those feelings, um, it felt amazing to connect with people. It felt amazing for them to email me and say, this has changed my life in a way that having this community that no one talks about, you know, we don't, there are not a lot of communities centered around small boobs. There are some growing now and some companies too. Um, and then having people DM me and say, I had my implants scheduled and I shredded the papers today because I came across your message and your Instagram and this community that you started and having pride in who you are and um, mostly acceptance and knowing that you're enough. So that's been, that's been really great. And obviously all of that shame and everything kind of melted away when the community started being built. Um, but it's scary for us to start off for sure. Yeah, and last week I, we, we had a podcast where we were talking about intimacy and boundaries in the workplace. And part of that mm -hmm. conversation was about how our, you know, personal views of ourselves and our own boundaries and our own, you know, um, thoughts on our sexuality and things like that impact mm -hmm. how we show up in, in the office and in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I think t one of the things that you just sort of, you know, called out here is there is sort of a culture around looking a certain way and being a certain way and showing up a certain way. And I think there's a lot of pressure on people to conform to different standards. And, you know, mm -hmm. everyone has their own little bubble that they live in online, right? And so mm -hmm. everyone's little, you know, bubbles are different, but then you go into the office and, you know, everyone you see online might portray success in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of curious, what were some of those maybe influences that you had that now you're sort of relearning or, or reapproaching in new ways? What were some of those influences early on that got you thinking in this direction and, and set you on this path? 
Um, my biggest influence is Aaron James Draplin. He is a graphic designer. Um, and he, he's like, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. Yeah. Um, he's okay. <laughs> he's just, I was just gonna say he's no bullshit. So he's just this very, I believe he grew up in Detroit. He's very like working man, um, says it like it is, doesn't have time for bullshit, is himself 100%. And I think that he influenced me a lot. I realized you don't have to play the game to be successful, or you don't have to be a cookie cutter version of an entrepreneur or a freelancer to be successful. You can be yourself. And actually it's more compelling when you are yourself. So obviously Aaron James Draplin wasn't in the body positive, body neutral space in any way. Um, but his, the way that he approaches business life, the way that he talks on podcasts, the way that he is, which is mostly connecting to humans. That's what he is, is he's connecting, um, influenced me a lot. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners forget connection because we're so worried about being professional. I have to be professional. I have to speak, right? I have to like wear my suit and like my, my headshots have me on my laptop and a cup of coffee. And I have, not that that's bad if you have that. I'm just saying it's so, we copy each other because this is the standard and this is safe and this is what professionals do. And people like Aaron, James Jacqueline have really helped me learn to break out of that. People like Oprah too, like I love Oprah so much um, because she's come from such a hard background and she's been able to like be so vulnerable and drop, drop it all for connection again. She's trying to connect and allowing people to feel what they feel and to say, hey, we all have bad parts in our lives. Like we don't have to hide them. We can kind of be authentic instead. I'm just kind of curious, like, have you seen differences yeah. in how people have reacted to you as you've changed over um, time? So I've always been a little bit crazy. The, I, I had a corporate job. I was there for five years. I left because I couldn't stand it anymore. I was doing stuff well below my skill level. Um, it wasn't important to me. It wasn't inspiring to me. I was working for the news, uh, CBS, and I was doing graphics for the news. I left and started a company called Bad Bitch Branding. So I don't have a lot of experience uh, playing it safe. I just jumped out and I was like, I'm going to use the word bitch in my company's name <laughs> and made it. this really hard sort of um, bold image, which is part of who I am. But I think this is the opposite. So I started off, well, maybe not because you said when you were in advertising, you were trying to be that. Um, with bad bitch branding, I, I had the boring corporate job. I jumped out and kind of went crazy in a good way. I, I took a big risk and said what I wanted to say. Um, and then over time, I just decided that I couldn't uphold that image of a bad bitch. And that, um, while I am pieces of that brand, that boldness and that intensity and that fun and that wildness, I wanted to just kind of be myself. So I guess, yes, that's happened to me, um, before in some sort of way. And then I think just going through life experiences, like having the, um, my surgery and like some relationships end and all this stuff, it just kind of stripped me of everything in a way that I was like, I don't care anymore. Like I'm just going to show up as myself. Um, and it's still hard sometimes, you know, to like show up as yourself and to be vulnerable and to be like, do I really want to be talking about boobs all the time? But I think the risk of not doing it is greater than the risk of doing it because so many people are able to be healed in a way by this message. Like I'm writing an ebook and everything. So I, I sell a lot of shirts, but I'm starting to dabble in like the, the core of the issue. You know, like uh, say someone has body image issues, throwing on a shirt helps and that's awesome. And it helps to be proud of who you are. But where does this start? Like, what's the core of this? 
So really getting down to that sort of thing. I hope I answered your question. I think that I was- You did, you absolutely did. And you brought up another point that I think is really interesting, which is what is the core of it? So as you're putting this book together, what are you discovering? What are these influences that you're finding that are kind of, you know, worming their way into our brains? Yeah. Um, I'm not an expert by any means. I've read books about this sort of thing, but um, clearly it's our culture's emphasis on being hot, being enough. I think that the core of this issue is our culture's focus on being hot, successful, rich, having the big house, having the nice car. Like we can all name a million things. Uh, it's not just boobs that need to be a perfect C cup. Um, I think that talking about how it's our culture's emphasis on this thing rather than the reality. Like it's not a reality that a certain size of boob is superior. It's not a reality. It's the way that our culture has been built. And if you look at other cultures, this isn't even a thing in some of them, right? So it's not the truth. It's just the way that we've sold things. Um, I think that we teach people to be good consumers in America, obviously throughout their whole life, upgrading all the time, bigger is better, all of that. I think talking a little bit about that and then talking about this ebook is really about three forms of like therapy that you can do. So EFT tapping, which is really beneficial affirmations and reframing is what I talk about. So yes, th this culture and society has formed this problem probably to sell things. Most likely that's the core. Um, but how do we deal with it from here and how can we heal? So focusing on different kinds of therapies is really, I think the way to start healing from that. I really love that, that idea of how can we heal? Um, cause I think yeah. that that's something that as you go through your life and as you go through your career, it's, it's a constant sort of roller coaster in a way, right? Like, oh, I'm starting to figure myself out. Oh, wait, there's uh, outside influences. Oh, wait, I think yeah. I'm figuring myself out. Oh, here's some more outside influences. And we're, mm -hmm. we're always going back and forth and everyone needs a job and everyone needs to make money mm -hmm. and everyone needs to support themselves yeah. and their family, but how we do it, that's the question, mm -hmm. right? And there is this huge narrative of become the next Elon Musk, become the next Oprah, mm -hmm. become the next whomever. And it tends to put people into these positions where they maybe don't, don't even know that they don't want to be in a way because mm. there's so much noise out there. And I like that you're calling out these different forms of therapy. Can you go into a little more detail mm. about the three different kinds of therapy that you're talking about? Sure. And I don't even know if they're called therapies. Um, EFT tapping is where I start in the ebook and that's um, tapping on certain they call it uh, acupressure points. I don't know if you've done EFT tapping. While you say things. So you set up your statement. For example, if you're talking about small boobs, it would be, even though I have small boobs, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. So you kind of set up this statement where you're acknowledging like this thing that you may not like about yourself. And EFT tapping can be used for any and everything, any sort of problem you have. It's called their most pressing issue. So you think about your most pressing issue and you can do this every day. You can do it twice a day or whatever, but you tap on certain points of your body. So you first start with your karate chop point and you tap and you say this, and then you go through the different acupressure points in your um, face and then through your chest and under your armpits and stuff like that. Um, I have limited understanding of this because I'm not an expert, but my understanding is that it um, somehow stops the amygdala from firing constantly and it gets you out of a state of panic of, going over and over and over again, the negative thing that's bothering you. So it kind of pulls you out of that. And when my therapist told me about this, 
I was like, this is so stupid. And I was doing <laughs> it and like trying not to laugh. Cause I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like, this is stupid. Um, how could this work? Like tapping on your body, it's weird. But I started to really do it. And I noticed that it is so effective. Um, and you can look up people's stories on the internet of like the issues that they've gotten through. But a lot of people face some deep fears with it. Um, even if you're just having a bad day, you know, even though I'm having a bad day, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I love EFT tapping because it recognizes the bad. And in our culture, once again, we kind of put a rug over the bad and we try to be like, be positive, say positive things, like toxic positivity. And EFT tapping really recognizes there's something bad and I don't like it, but I still can love myself through that. Um, but yeah, something people should definitely research more if they're interested because there are many different ways to do it, but I find it extremely effective. Um, the second thing I talk about is affirmation. So I have an affirmation card deck for the committee and it's just like a big colorful deck of cards and each one has an affirmation on it. Some are related to small boobs. Some are related to body image. Some are just about how you are a divine, sacred human being. Um, so affirmations are very important to like rewire your brain, I think, and just kind of get into a positive space because we're not fed positive messages, especially about how much money we make, our bodies. Um, I mean, we're, we're told we're not good enough all the time, right? Like maybe not straight out, but this is the message we're getting over and over and over again from social media, from commercials, from whatever. Um, so affirmations help a lot with that. And then reframing is something that's really great. Um, so an example of reframing for small boobs, I hear a lot of women talk about their partners not preferring their boobs. So a statement might be, my partner doesn't like my boobs. And reframing it would be, well, I don't want to be with anyone who doesn't like me for me. I want people to find value in me. So like reframing these common issues I see people coming to me with and thinking about how can we think about this in a different way? Um, like my I'm not my partner's preference. Well, I have preferences too. And I want my preferences, respect and love. So they're not my preference either, but trying to take something negative and, and see it in a different light is kind of what I'm trying to uh, teach people. And once again, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist or anything like that. I've just used these tools myself and they've helped me. So I'm sharing them. Yeah. And I think that that's really important, right? Um, I'm also not a therapist and I think, you know, you and I both come from the marketing world. So I think we have mm -hmm. a really interesting insight into how messages can influence people. And mm -hmm. what I find so interesting is that most people go through the day thinking that they're actually immune to these messages. I think so many people are aware that they get bombarded with messages every day. Like we're all aware, right? But I don't think we're necessarily aware of how much of an impact the constant stream of information is having on mm -hmm. us psychologically. I think, you know, coming from the marketing world, uh, you and I, I think mm -hmm. we have a pretty interesting insight into how marketing messages can influence people. Mm -hmm. And I think so often people don't, they're aware that they're being marketed to, but they're not aware at how much of an impact it's having. And you, mm -hmm. you called out a few really important things here, right? We're not fed positive messages about who we are and what we are and how we are, but we are given a ton of toxic positivity. And yes. I think that that's such a strange sort of split and dichotomy because it's like, on the one hand, yeah. everyone's like, just be yourself, just love yourself, just all these things. Mm -hmm. But they always put at the end. And if you do that, you'll make more money, be more successful, uh -huh. have better relationships yes. and be a better person. And yes. it's like, it, it's all still rooted in this negativity. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, there is a, well, this book, Beauty Sick, um, it's by Renee Engelm. She's a psychologist um, professor at Northwestern University, but she studied even positive ads. So say the Dove ads, where it's about how all women are beautiful in their own skin, like this positive ad through research, they found that that's actually still not good. Um, so even if we're changing marketing and branding to have positive messages about how you need to just know that you're beautiful and blah, blah, blah. They found that that sometimes is the opposite. Like it can put another burden on you to be like, well, now I have to believe that I'm beautiful and amazing as I am. Like it's just selling again. Um, so something that's been kind of coming up is body neutrality more than body positivity or that toxic positivity of you always have to love everything about your life and yourself and blah, blah, blah. Um, body neutrality really stands for bringing you to a neutral place of I'm okay with myself. Um, and my body is my body and focusing more on the things that it can do for you. So I bring that up to say that yes, marketing and advertising is going in a positive way, but that doesn't always mean it's, it's um, the right way. And if we're gonna keep ignoring research that says some of this toxic positivity is hurting more than helping, like it's just gonna be a disaster. But I feel like we're going to keep going, like it's gonna keep going that way for a while. Yeah. Because it I, can be confused so easily for something yeah, good. I agree with that. And, and there is this general sense that doing something is always better than doing nothing when mm -hmm. quite often doing nothing is the right way to go. Like that's in almost mm -hmm. every relationship book and everything out there, right? It's yeah. like it's like between not saying or between um, being angry or like trying to fix everything, maybe sometimes the best thing to do is just relax a little bit and ride it out and just see where things mm -hmm. go. Um, and I think that that plays into a lot of what we're talking about here because, yeah. you know, when it comes to that getting to neutral, I, I appreciate you saying that because with the job search, right? That's, that's, mm -hmm. I'm a career coach and I focus with people's job search all the time and everyone mm -hmm. hates it. I don't think there's a single person mm -hmm. that's out there that's like, yes, every day I just wake up and I love, I'm passionate about doing the job search and mm -hmm. uh, they all, they all hate it. And so I have, mm -hmm. I always try to acknowledge that with people and rather than try to get them to the point where they love the job search, cause like, you know, there's a lot of messaging out there. that's like, treat your job search like a full-time job love yourself while you're job searching and all these different things. It's like, I almost want you to just get neutral about the job search. Like mm -hmm. it's neither good nor bad. It just mm -hmm. is part of the process. And mm -hmm. there are parts that are annoying and there's parts that are exciting, but generally speaking, it's just something we have to do every day, kind of like brushing mm -hmm. our teeth. And yeah. that sort of, I, I like that you're sort of bringing that same energy into these other spaces mm -hmm. where you're saying, you know, it's not about being, putting pressure on yourself to be a certain, to feel a certain way. It's just mm -hmm. maybe feel a little less mm -hmm. extreme about all these different things. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure that the job search, I haven't searched for a job in a little while. That's not true. Cause I'm a freelancer. So I'm always searching for jobs, Exactly. Um, but it's, it's full of anxiety too. And like all of these issues, body image and all money, making money, finding a job, it's full of anxiety. And it's so hard to live in an anxious state all the time. You know, so if you have to job search for weeks or whatever, feeling that pressure, you feel like you hate what you're doing, you feel maybe scared that you won't get the right job. I don't know. You know more than me, but living in that anxious state, whether it's body image or job searching is just so bad. It's like not worth it. And it really is something that I think as you venture out and try to do some of your own things, it, it creates really good feedback loops of like, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. not necessarily positivity, but of accomplishment of I'm able to take control. I'm able to control my actions. I do have some autonomy in all of this. I can push back mm-hmm. on certain thoughts and messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm sure as you're building your community, you've been confronted with a lot of anxiety provoking situations. What are some of the things that you've come across in, in the work that you've been doing in building, you know, your approach to creating your, your business in your life? Um, pretty much all of being an entrepreneur has been full of anxiety for me. Um, sometimes more than others, you know, sometimes are, sometimes are very easy and whatever, and things are going great. Other times, um, I'm thinking constantly about how to grow the community, um, how to make sure that I'm saying the right thing and not hurting anybody in the process. There's a lot um, at thinking about advertising. We were talking earlier about like DIYing my advertising if I'm going to do advertising for the community. Um, so a ton of it has been anxious. But I also try to stop and realize like this is something that's supposed to bring joy to me and I'm making it something that's not joyful. So I really try to stop myself in those moments and try to make it something joyful because if I'm doing this thing out of being anxious and stressed and trying to make it bigger, it turns into something that's not beautiful. And the whole core of this community is that it was beautiful and that it was natural and that other people resonated with it. So I think making sure that you don't take the joy out of what you're doing by having too many goals or being so set on it. I get so set on goals that like, it's all I see and all I talk about, which is, I mean, such a waste of time in some ways, right? Like I could get hit by a car tomorrow and my family would be like, all we talked about was your work for the past few weeks that you were here on earth. Like, I don't want that to happen. I want to be present and find joy in my life and not just be like, so focused on building something. because even if you're super focused on it and you do all the right things, it doesn't turn out the way you want it to anyway. So I really want it to be kind of free flowing. I don't know if I answered your question either, but. You did, keep going. I was just gonna say, let's all fight anxiety together. That's all, cause it's, it's that message too of climbing to the top, get to the top, be better, be enough, be bigger. And um, while I do want the community to grow, I don't want those thoughts in my head every day. Yeah, especially when, you know, you're building something that's meant to help people, right? Same with career mm-hmm. therapy. Like this is meant to be a helpful inviting space and you you see mm-hmm. people taking it to extremes, right? You see people saying mm-hmm. if you're not doing this, if you're not loving yourself in this way, then you're not loving yourself right. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like you're just adding yeah. additional additional pain to it and work, more work. You, exactly, more work. It's it's everything has to be a strategy session and everything has to be, mm-hmm. like you said, a goal. Um, when in reality it's like we need to just kind of ride the anxiety as a because mm-hmm. sometimes anxiety is a motivator, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not necessarily always it's a one thing I'm learning, and, and this is because I tend to be someone who uh, avoids, like, or who gets very overwhelmed by emotion. Mm-hmm. If you, if anyone out there, you know, has read the Enneagram uh, personality test, mm-hmm. I'm a nine, which is just like I'm an. You're the peacemaker. Yeah. And what are you? Eight. I'm an eight. <laughs> yeah. I'm a challenger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. And like, uh, one of the things that it says in, in when I read that, uh, that it calls me out on, it says, you know, you have to get in touch with your anger because you're so mm. quick to just smooth everything over. And what I'm realizing is like, oh, right. Yeah. I try to avoid anger because I don't want to get flooded with that. And then, you know, mm-hmm. make people, you know, 
come off as like attacking people or something. And in my job, which is, you know, career coaching, I, I have to always be very pleasant uh, around people and, and things like that. And so it's, it's interesting to use it and, and to lean into it, but then lean into it in the proper way, which is like, Mm -hmm. use it as a guide. Why are you angry? Mm -hmm. Not just be angry, but why, and what's it telling you? And I think with anxiety, it's like, why are we anxious Mm -hmm. and what's it telling us? And Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be really, re- you know, revealing. Um, mm-hmm. What are maybe some of the things, because, you know, you've, you've been taking some pretty interesting steps in building your community and building your career of, you know, traveling the country and doing some really fascinating things. What are, what are some of the experiences that you've had that have had the biggest impact on you as you've been putting together this community? Um, honestly, I just think the, the building of it, the beginning of it was very impactful. So impactful that it sparked this whole community. Um, man, I don't know. I've just, I've really been influenced by people that have found so much joy in it and so much confidence in it. That's the most inspiring thing to me. Um, I was recently talking to a guy and he was like, yeah, you're like an influencer. Like, let's start getting you like influencer packages and like you can promote people's products. My following isn't giant on social media, but it's growing. And he was just saying like, we can, we can do this stuff. And I was like, no, like this is not me putting on a piece of clothing and selling it. It's a very sacred space for me. And I think that that's been a, a beautiful way to look at it is that I don't have to fit the mold of an influencer um, by selling stuff again to women. Like clearly I'm selling stuff, right? Um, to fund this project and this community like t-shirts. Uh, but I think just really have been inspired by keeping this a sacred space doesn't have to turn into anything that's influencer-ish. Right. And being, so being very mindful of it and also using your skills yeah. to have other streams of income so that you don't have mm-hmm. to put so much pressure on the sacred spaces that you're building. Um, yes. It kind of, I don't know, it brings to mind as we talk about influencers, obviously the biggest influencers in the world right now, uh, the Kardashians, mm-hmm. right? They, they've just oh, gone gosh. through a bunch of very interesting things in the last week. I don't know if you've see or follow I, any of that please tell me i i'm interested is it does it have to do with chloe kardashian posting about yeah. beauty standards okay yes. i haven't been following it but i've heard some opinions on it yeah it's i mean it's i've heard many opinions on it and I, you know as someone who's a nine i'm always just trying to be in the middle of it but <laughs> in the middle of the opinions but i do i do think it's interesting uh because basically the call out there i think from cynical people is you created the beauty standards that everyone's holding themselves to. And now that something, a picture was leaked that wasn't Photoshopped. And yes, but she looks so good in it. So I don't she know still what looks good is. in it. Just right. saying. It's like, yeah. it's like, but it wasn't up to the body standards that yeah. they set for themselves and the media. Exactly. And, and so it's like, you want to empathize, but you're also like, but you're part of creating this cycle. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very interesting and confusing mm-hmm. place, um, I'm sure for them as well to be in, because um, they're all of them are going to get older. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the truth of it all. Is and I like earlier how you called out, we could get hit by a bus tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? We could, this could all be over by the end of the day mm-hmm. if some accident happens. Mm-hmm. So why are we spending every moment of every day setting goals, or working, or doing things that are not also leading to positive connections with other people? great, Mm -hmm. you know, um, experiences with the people around us, right? We're almost sort of Mm -hmm. sacrificing what really brings, you know, 
the feelings that we want into our life in order to chase things that we think might bring those feelings in. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yes. And I think social media has a huge part to play in that, right? Like we're all, many people are presenting themselves as different than who they really are on social media. Um, this also brings up the conversation of work-life balance. Like how do you balance a good, happy life and meet all your goals and work and like not sacrifice family time and all of that. And I'm still figuring that out. Like that's a hard thing. It's not easy to do. Um, especially when you have such big goals, you know, like how do I not be consumed with this when I'm babysitting my niece and nephew, my huge to-do list, how can I be present with them instead of thinking about my to-do list? And I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but honestly, things like EFT tapping help with that. It helps with releasing some of those things and clearing that energy out of anxiety or having to live up to an image or whatever it is. It, it helps you slow down a little bit. I think that's, I need to learn to slow down clearly. Um, it might be because I'm an eight, Neogram eight, jumping into things. <laughs> yeah. Charging forward. But um, yeah, and honest, honestly, like the Kardashian thing, I don't blame them. They were born into even more so than someone like me um, into a system like this sort of LA plastic surgery, perfect body standard. I don't blame them. I don't agree with them either. Um, but I think they're victims in a way of the same system that we all are. Uh, just to go back to that really quickly to say that I don't blame anybody um, who's struggling with body image or not knowing how to say the right thing because it's this shit show in general. Like this whole thing that we've created is a mess. Absolutely. And and I really appreciate you sharing your story as you're also learning it and going through it. You know, it's always important for us to call out that we're not therapists and we're not trained, but it's also really important to say that we are experts in, in marketing and branding and messaging mm -hmm. and things like that, especially mm -hmm. you and, and being able to say like, from my experiences with this knowledge that I have of how mm -hmm. things work, here's what I'm learning and here's what's working. And being honest about when things aren't working and being honest about, mm -hmm. you know, the, mm -hmm. the struggles along the way, because the image, even when we try to be honest online, the image is always skewed because people don't see everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I really appreciate what you're putting out there is if there was one thing that you'd really want people to just start thinking about after listening to this episode, what do you think it would be? Mm -hmm. um, my biggest thing is to think about all the things that are wasting your time that don't need to be wasting your time. Like as women, we spend our entire lives from being babies to adults, constantly consumed with what we look like. Um, should we get Botox? We have wrinkles. Is our hair okay? We just got it dyed. It might not be right. Um, our skin, like we're so consumed with things that don't matter in the end. And it's such a waste of our potential and our lives, you know, instead of being consumed with your boobs, maybe start a community or instead of being consumed with climbing the ladder of success, which many successful rich people tell you, there's nothing at the top of the ladder. There's nothing up there. So instead of being consumed and wasting our whole life striving so hard, I think we need to slow down and, and talk to people and um, connect with people and to build meaningful things that sustain us. Well, Haley, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, how can folks find more about what you're doing and potentially join your community if uh, if they can? Yeah, um, you can find my website for my design at Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-E, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N.com. And then the committee is thecommittieXO.com. And then Instagram is where people are most active. So it's thecommittee.xo. 
Very cool. We'll link all of that below so everyone go check it out. And Haley, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.